Have our Bibles, um, Joshua and chapter eight. Joshua and chapter eight. We'll begin reading in verse number one, and um, we'll be going through verse number twenty-nine. I don't know if we'll read the whole passage yet. We're going to read just the first little bit, and then we're going to get into it. Lord willing, see what the Lord has for us tonight. Joshua chapter eight. We'll begin reading in verse number one. This is after. Um, Jericho, then after Achan, they have been defeated at Ai on their first attack because of the sin of Achan. And then the Lord appears unto Joshua in verse number 1. And the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise. Go up to Ai. See, I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land, and thou shalt do to Ai and her king as thou didst unto Jericho and her king. Only the spoil thereof and the cattle thereof shall ye take for a prey unto yourselves. Lay thee in ambush for the city behind it. So Joshua rose and all the people of war to go up against Ai. And Joshua chose out thirty thousand mighty men of valor. And sent them away by night, and he commanded them, saying, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. And I and all the people that are with me will approach unto the city, and it shall come to pass, when they come out against us, as at the first, that we will flee before him. For they will come out after us till we have drawn them from the city, for they will say, They flee before us as at the first. Therefore, we will flee before them. Then ye shall rise up from the ambush and size upon the city, for the Lord your God will deliver it into your hand. And it shall be, when ye have taken the city, that ye shall set the city on fire. According to the commandment of the Lord shall ye do. See, I have commanded you. Joshua therefore sent them forth, and they went to lie in ambush and abode between Bethel and Ai, on the west side of Ai. But Joshua lodged that night among the people. And Joshua rose up early in the morning and numbered the people and went up, he and the elders of Israel before the people of Ai. And all the people, even the people of war that were with him, went up and drew nigh and came before the city and pitched on the north side of Ai. Now there was a valley between them and Ai. And he took about 5,000 men and set, them, and set them to lie in ambush between Bethel and Ai on the west side of the city. And when they had set the people, even all the host that was on the north of the city, and their liars in wait on the west of the city, Joshua went that night into the midst of the valley. And it came to pass when the king of Ai saw it, that he hasted and rose up early. And the men of the city went out against Israel to battle he and all his people at a time appointed before the plain, but he wist not that there were liars in ambush against him behind the city. And Joshua and all Israel made as if they were beaten before them and fled by the way of the wilderness. And all the people that were in Ai were called together to pursue after them, and they pursued after Joshua and were drawn away from the city. And there was not a man left in Ai or Bethel, that went not out after Israel, and they left the city opened and pursued after Israel. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Stretch out the spear that is in thine hand toward Ai, for I will give it into thine hand. And Joshua stretched, forth, stretched out the spear, 
that he had in his hand toward the city. And the ambush arose quickly out of their place. And they ran as soon as he had stretched out his hand. And they entered into the city and took it and hasted and set the city on fire. And when the men of Ai looked behind them, they saw. And behold, the smoke of the city ascended up to heaven. And they had no power to flee this way or that. And the people fled to the wilderness and turned back upon their pursuers. And when Joshua and all Israel saw that the ambush had taken the city and that the smoke of the city ascended, they turned again and slew the men of Ai and the other issued out of the city against them. So they were in the midst of Israel, some on this side and some on that side, and they smote them so they let none of them remain or escape. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Once again, Lord, we thank you for um, the, all that you've done. We thank you for your word. I just pray that uh, you would enable me this evening to communicate your word clearly, that we could learn how we should live our lives for you this coming week, and that you would speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. While I was writing my thesis... My, for my master's degree at Heartland Baptist Bible College, I often, shall I say daily, sometimes more than once daily, would experience what we would call writer's block. I would go and I would sit down at my computer and I would stare at my computer screen and the computer screen would stare back. Because I had a work to do. I had something to write, something to communicate. And either there was a lack of desire or motivation to move forward with it. I just wish this was over. I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I doing this? Why did I sign up for this? Or sometimes it was simply I didn't know how to move forward. I was like, I have this and I have this element. I have, um, I put it so far in my mind, I've forgotten all the terms right now. It was when I was done with it, I was done with it. But I had this part of it and this part of it done. And then it came to this chapter. Each there was five chapters and each chapter had a different part it was supposed to have. And I'd be, oh, boy, what am I doing here? And I would stare at the computer screen and the computer screen would stare back. And then I would go to class on Monday morning, our thesis class. And Dr. House would say, Andrew, how are we doing? I'd say, I don't know, Dr. House. I don't know. Because I was experiencing writer's block. Sometimes it was simply a lack of motivation. Other times it was laziness because I wasn't going to push myself to move forward at that time. But it, what it was was it got to a point to where I felt stuck. I felt stuck with it until finally I pushed in, and I, I was pushed by my professors. And there came the time where it had to get done. And it got done. But there was that point where I got stuck a little bit. And you've heard people talk about maybe runner's block if they're trying to run or if they're working out. They can plateau and reach a point where they, they're exercising or they're doing whatever, but they're not getting gains anymore. They're not increasing in their stamina or their strength. Or they're not losing weight anymore. If they're trying to diet, you can go and you can plateau and you're not, nothing's happening anymore. And you could say, okay, that's all great and good. But why are we talking about that? Because often we can get to a point to where we can experience spiritual block. 
Or we can get to a point to where we feel stuck spiritually. There's this one trial that we've been going through and going through. And it seems like this trial is just never going to get out of our life. Or there's this one sin in our life that we've been constantly trying to conquer. Constantly just there staring us in the face. And it just seems like it is there to stay. More often than not, a spiritual block, where we get to a point to where we feel stuck, we're not moving forward as a Christian, is a result of sin. Is a result of we're not obeying God the way we should be. There is something in our life where God has told us, this is what I want you to do, and we haven't done that, and we're wondering why we're not moving forward spiritually. God has revealed through the preaching of His Word, through reading your Bible, that you need to work on this certain area of life. You need to change your church attendance. You need to change your visitation, how you witnessing to your coworkers. There's something that God wants you to do, and you haven't done that. When you do that, you're not going to continue to move forward spiritually until you take care of that. Because that's where Israel was. Israel had reached, in chapter 7, where we were last week, Israel had reached a sin block. They had gone up to Ai. They had gone up confident of God's victory. They had gone to the city and said, you know what, we don't even need to send up the whole army. We only need about two or 3,000 guys. You know, odds of, in the favor of Ai, of 6 or 4 to 1, that's no big deal. We can have the victory. We have God on our side. We're going to have the victory. But they were defeated. Thirty-six men of Israel died. And God had told them in chapter 7, Until you remove the sin that is in the camp, I will not be with you anymore. You are not going to be able to stand before your enemies. Until you deal with the sin that Achan committed, the sin that Israel has in the camp, there will be no more forward progress. There will be no moving forward until that is dealt with. They had a block. With God, without God's power, any attempts to move forward would be hopeless. God had told them, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Until you deal with that, until the sin, the, the cursed thing is removed from your camp, you will not experience victory. Period. There will be no more victory until that is dealt with. In our lives, until we deal with what God is, until we fix what God is dealing with us, until we begin to take the steps to alter our lives to make it in obedience to God's Word, we cannot move forward spiritually. We want to see God do great things. We want to see Morris Park, Bible Baptist Church, move forward. But if, as our church, remember, Achan's sin affected the entire camp of Israel. If, as a church, we do not change what God is dealing with individual hearts about, what God is dealing with you, anybody in particular, what God is dealing with you about, until we get that in line with God's Word. There cannot be spiritual victory together. To move together as a whole, we must get our lives in line with God's Word. And that's where Israel was. But they followed God's leadership. God said, until you deal with this, you're not going to move forward. So they dealt with it. They followed God's Word. The sin of Achan was exposed Judgment was enforced because he did not, Achan did not confess his sins. He did not bring it forward until God exposed him. God exposed him. 
They dealt with the sin. He experienced the judgment of God. And the sin was removed. So everything is fine, right? Achan has dealt with. The sin has been removed from the camp. Everything is great. But before Israel could move forward, they still needed to take down Ai. Ai was still there, staring them in the face. The city of Ai was sitting on high ground in a position to oppose any advance. It wasn't like they could just leave Ai up there and say, okay, we're going to deal with something else. Also, God had ordered the removal of the Canaanites from the land. They had been sinning and sinning and sinning. God had told them, God had told Abraham, we're not removing the the Canaanites in the land because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. But then Israel came into the land. What we heard about in Sunday school this morning, how the news of the Red Sea had come 40 years before into the land of Canaan. Rahab repented. The city of Jericho did not. Ai did not repent. They didn't come and say, your God is a true God and fall on their face before God. They didn't. They shut their gates. They got their armies ready to defend themselves against the Hebrew God. And so they were being removed from the land. It was God's plan for them to remove. So if Israel was going to move forward, Ai had to fall. But Israel had already experienced defeat here. Have you ever tried and failed at something and you lose your nerve so you never want to try it again? Some people try to learn how to swim. And they have what they feel is a near drowning experience. And they're like, you know what? I just don't want to deal with the water anymore. I'm not even going to go close. Or some people have a fear of flying. Something has happened in their past and they don't want to do it anymore. Am, am, I, am I saying there's some people, or one illustration that came to my mind, it's off, um, you read about in a book or you see it back in the old, they would ride horses. And some people, just riding horses, would get thrown from a horse. And the last thing they wanted to do was step foot back on that horse. They lost their nerve. And if they didn't get back on that horse, they would never ride again. There's people who won't drive because they've been in an accident. There's people who won't do certain things because they failed something tragic happened in their past and it creates a block in their mind and they won't go forward anymore. They won't allow themselves to come near experiencing that pain, that tragedy again. And the same thing can happen to some people spiritually. You try to move forward for God. There's that person you try to talk to about the Lord. And they come down on you. And you get hurt. And you never breach the subject again. You never come up, even bring up the Lord again. Once you've been defeated, it can be easy to say, you know what? I don't want to experience that again. I'm not going to deal with that again. I'm not going to move forward. Brother, um, Brother David Hetzer at the, men, at the uh, Mighty Men of Valor meeting, he preached a very powerful message about how when we, allow, when we allow the failure of others to come into our lives, we can stop moving forward and hurt those that are behind us because we haven't given it over to God and moved on. 
And that's where Israel was. They had to conquer Ai. They could not leave Ai alone. Even though they had been defeated, even though they had experienced failure at the gates of Ai, they had to go and conquer. They had to move forward. God's plan for Israel required them to move forward and conquer Ai. To say it in the illustration, they had to get right back on that horse that threw them. They had to keep moving. They couldn't allow it to stop. No wonder God's first command to Joshua was, Fear not. In verse number 1, he says, The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. God appeared to Joshua and he said, I'm with you, Joshua. I could not be with you because of the sin that was in the camp. You went up and you tried to move forward when you weren't right with me and you experienced defeat. But I'm with you, Joshua. In fact, he promised the same victory that they did at Jericho. He's like, just as I was with you at Jericho, just as you experienced the mighty workings of God and saw the walls fall down, now the walls weren't going to fall down at Ai. If God didn't say, the wall, you're going to march around, you're going to do the exact same thing, but God said, I am just as sure going to give you the victory. He says, I have given you the city. It's already happened. I've given you the victory. I am with you, Joshua. All they needed to do was follow God's word and they would experience the same powerful types of victory that they would have experienced at Jericho. And God also says, Jericho, um, earlier when God was talking with Joshua and talking with uh, Moses, he said, Jericho, the first, that's the first fruits. Jericho is mine. The rest of the conquering of the land of Canaan, as you conquer and go through the rest of the land of Canaan, those will be yours. You'll get to take the cattle. You'll get to take the spoil of that city for yourselves. It says you will be able to enjoy the normal fruits of victory. If Achan had only waited. Achan at the, saw something in the, in the spoils of Jericho and said, I want that. And he took what didn't belong to him. He took what belonged to God. But if Achan had only waited... He wouldn't have had to steal and hide three items. He could have had the, the spo- his share of the spoils of the city of Ai and the next city and the next city and the next city and the next city. When we step out of the will of God and try to take what we think we need, we are often cutting ourselves off from the blessings that God has for us in the future. We are often short-circuiting. Achan could have enjoyed so much. If he just waited and followed God's word. But he didn't. Just a side note there. But God is promising them victory. And saying, you will be able to enjoy the regular fruits of victory. But he says, and then almost, one person said, almost as a side note. But at the end of it, God is saying, so this is how you're going to conquer Ai. The walls aren't going to fall down. What you're going to do is lay thee an ambush for the city behind it. And that's the end of God's instruction to Joshua. That is recorded anyways. Recorded in this section of Scripture. Excuse me. So God tells Joshua to use an ambush. And Joshua instantly just begins issuing orders to comply with God's commands. He instantly begins telling him, Alright, you, get all the people of Israel together. God had told him, don't 
You don't need 3,000. This is the total involvement. Everybody is involved in this. Everybody needs to go forward and see God give the victory again. So Joshua takes 30,000 men. Remember, they had sent 3,000 up there. The ambush they send up is ten times the amount they had originally sent to conquer the entire city. And then the rest of the and then he explains to them, you're to go over here and you lie in wait, stay close to the city, stay hidden, you're going to conquer the city and burn it once we draw the armies of Ai out. And then Joshua gets the rest of the armies of Israel and begins to move them forward. He has the entire army with him. And recorded in the Bible in the first three verses are God's commands to Joshua. God doesn't tell Joshua, that is recorded, how many men to set, put here or put there. God didn't tell Joshua every little detail he was supposed to do. God often will give instruction and say, this is how it's supposed to be. This is what I want you to do. Lay an ambushment. And then allow the leadership he has set up freedom to accomplish those commands. Joshua wasn't doing something wrong because he was doing this and doing something exactly different. He had taken what God had told him to do. He had fleshed it out. Made it work for him and for his people. Just I was reading this, doing some study, and one thing that came to my mind was... You, if you will go to many other cities in this country, or many other churches. You, or other preachers come here, they talk about door knocking. You know what? God's command is to evangelize the world. In many cities, the what works is door knocking, going door to door. That's how salespeople do it. That's how they do it in that neighborhood. That's how it works. But in New York City, that doesn't work. You don't go knock on an apartment building and get in, do you? So what has God um, shown the leadership of Open Door Bible Baptist Church and shown my dad? You know what? Door knocking doesn't work. He tried door knocking when he first came. He's told me the stories and said, wait a second, this isn't working. So what did he do? We began to go out and just pass out tracts on the street to other people. Now, does that mean everyone who receives a tract is going to come to church? We wish it would be. We wouldn't be able to fit the people in the auditorium if everyone who has received a track came to church all the time. But God gives commands to His people to accomplish His will. And then the leadership that God has set up has the freedom from God to flesh it out. This is how it's going to work. Tell people to go here. Tell people to go there. Begin to... Um, this is how it's just going to have to work. You, you 30,000... You mighty men of valor, you go hide. This is the number that I think is going to need to work. And then later in the passage, Joshua would send another 5,000 men out. And the responsibility of Israel was to follow the leadership that God had set up, was to follow Joshua. It was a bold plan with the faking of a defeat. They were going to pretend to run. They were going to run, literally. They were going to pretend like they were defeated. The main army would march right up to the walls of AI like they had done before. AI would think, they're here to try it again, but this time they brought the whole army. Same battle plan. 
They're not trying, they're just trying it again. And then they would run and allow themselves to be chased until they had left the cities unprotected. They would draw the armies out of the city. Then the ambush would come, they would burn the city, surround and wipe out the enemy. But many times in, a his, in history, I'm just from reading military stories from growing up, etc., um, I just enjoyed that. There have been many times in history where an army decided to fake a retreat to attempt this very battle plan, and it turned into a real retreat. It turned into a rout. As they were running, somebody began to panic because there was real people behind them chasing them with real swords and real bows and arrows, and they just began to run. And also, what we talked about a little bit earlier was the idea of they had already been defeated here before. Somebody might, I'm just thinking, somebody might have a flashback. Wait a second, I've been here before. I'm running again. This, wait, why am I doing this? But that was the plan that God had given Joshua with the ambush, ambushments, God had not necessarily told that I see here to run. That isn't recorded in God's conversation with Joshua. Maybe it was. But this is a little bit of what I'm talking about. Joshua apparently said, if we're going to use an, amb- in an ambushment, if we're going to use an ambush, this is the best way that an ambush could work. We're going to take what God has given us and we're going to make it work for us. And the battle plan worked out to perfection. Joshua led a retreat, and every man in Ai, and not only Ai, but the town of Bethel, the neighboring city, joined in. They're like, the whole army's running. We're holding off Israel, what the great city of Jericho couldn't do. We're doing it. Everybody go, let's go, 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 go. And so they're chasing Joshua. And at the perfect moment, the Lord says, Joshua, now. And Joshua turns around and raises his spear. And the men of Ai got to be going, what's he doing? Why is he raising his spear like that? That's kind of weird. But they're still running. And all of a sudden, and the men, now I'm just signaling on a battlefield is hard. Um, for, they didn't have radios. They didn't have mere signals. For how many battles were lost because... The delivery, the messenger running the messages back and forth was wounded or shot or um, didn't make it with the message in time. And Joshua raises his spear and God allows it that the men in ambush, they can see it because they're up on the mountain and they're running down the mountain. They see it. Everything works perfectly. They go in. The city is gates are left open. Like, how does that happen, Right. The city gates are left open and the soldiers of Ai, are st- every one of them has gone out. And this ma- massive um, section of soldiers go in and they instantly begin to set the city on fire. And the soldiers of Ai suddenly turn around. Wait a second. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. They see their city on fire. They see the soldiers of Israel all over the battlements of their city. And they say, we're out of here. This is over. They, they tricked us. They realized what, is, has, what has happened. And all, then Joshua turns and says, after him. And the army of Israel, they stop in perfect order, in perfect discipline, turn around and begin to chase the men of Ai. 
the men of the soldiers of Israel that are in Ai come out of the city of Ai, surround the soldiers of Ai, and in obedience to God's command, wipe out the entire city of Ai, burn the city, and take the spoils for themselves, enjoy what God had for them, enjoy the fruits of victory. We can go back to chapter 7, and they had experienced defeat. We come to chapter 8, and there is a mighty victory. What was the difference between the two battles? What was so inherently different? Why was the outcome so different? Okay, what was different about the battles? Well, number one, in battle number one, 3,000 men of Israel go up. Battle number two, the entire army of Israel goes up. They had massive numerical superiority. The town of Ai only had about 12,000 inhabitants. The army of Israel was somewhere around 600,000. So they completely outnumbered the towns of Ai and Bethel. But was it a numerical superiority that won them the battle? No. The first time, they had just marched up to the gates. The second battle, they used great military strategy. It really was. How they were able to draw them out of the city and burn the city and surround them and defeat them. Perfectly executed, perfect strategy for the battle they were fighting. Everything worked. This disciplined army. But was that the reason that Israel won the great victory? I would challenge you, it wasn't because of their great strategy. Joshua apparently wasn't there at the first battle. The 3,000 men went up. This one, Joshua is personally with the army. He is the one who's personally giving the signal for the men to move. Was it the presence of Joshua that resulted in the great victory? I'm just going through the difference in the scenarios. Why Israel could have won a victory. I want to challenge you why all these things are true. None of these are responsible for the victory at Ai. Israel was able to win such a victory where they had been defeated before because the power and the presence of God was with them again. That was the ultimate difference. When they went up to Ai the first time, because they had had sin in the camp, God was not with them. God was not with them. God was not bringing the victory We see all through chapter 8, all through this attack on Ai, and the ultimate just sweeping victory that it was, that God was in it, that God was there, that God was the one giving the victory. It was His presence. It was His power. He was there. He was giving them the victory. The deciding factor in the battle of Ai was the presence and the power of God. That was the deciding factor in the battle of Ai. And would be, that was the deciding factor in the battle of Jericho. That was also the deciding factor in the defeat at Ai. Was the lack of the power and the presence of God. The sin in the nation of Israel had removed Israel from the place where God could bless and use them. It wasn't that God had changed his mind. It wasn't that God was suddenly unable to give them the victory. It's that they had removed themselves from the place of blessing. Once the sin was removed, 
they were able to enjoy the presence and the power of God. Once they were in, renewed their relationship with God and was in that right relationship with God, they could once again enjoy the power and the presence of God. And because God was present, they had clear direction from God. They didn't have clear direction from God in chapter 7. They said, oh, I think about 3,000 men could do it. You don't hear God mentioned in that. Because God's presence wasn't there. They had humble confidence in victory. No longer the overconfident, yeah, you know, six to one odds is good. We're, we're fine. We only need 3,000 men. The entire army shows up, even for this little town, and say, even with the entire army, they still say, God is the one who has to give us the victory. The humbleness in that. And they once again, because God was with them, they experienced a complete victory. They were able to enjoy the fruit of victory. They were able to have the joy return in the camp again. There were the shouts of praise once again. No longer the doubt that had filled the air. They won the victory because the power and the presence of God was with them again. In the Christian life, victory and sin do not coexist. Victory and sin cannot coexist in the life of a Christian. The mo- most fruitless thing you and I can do is to attempt to live for Christ in this world in our own power. The deciding factor in a victorious Christian life is the power and presence of God. If we are going to live for God in New York City in 2017 with all just the absolute craziness that is going around on around us, the deciding factor is the power and the presence of God in our lives. That's the only thing that's going to make it. We cannot love the people that we should in our church around us. We cannot love people the way we can, we, the way God commands us to. We cannot love people the way God commands us to without the power of God in our lives. You and I cannot overcome the flesh that we deal with every single day without the power of God. It's impossible. You and I cannot make the changes in our life that we hear God's words say clearly. And God speaks to our hearts and says, this needs to be changed in your life. We cannot seek, we cannot make that change on our own. If we do, how are we any different than the world? Well, you just need to turn over a new leaf. You need to try this again. No. What God offers is His Spirit, His power indwelling you, giving you the power you need to live His life. We cannot do it on our own. When we experience defeat, as we all do, as we all are living the Christian life, we try to move forward and there's those times where our relationship with God is not right. There's something where we have said, God, I am not going to do that. Or there's sometimes we don't realize there's sin in our lives. And then God exposes it and we get it right. But when we experience defeat, we try to rid our lives of that particular habit. We try to rid our lives of certain things. Or try to set up the daily habit of reading our Bibles and we fall. Again, 
and again and again. Sometimes it's easy to say, well, maybe God just doesn't want me to change this. Or, I just can't get over this and live in defeat with AI still on the hill staring right down at us. But God does not desire His people to live in defeat. God's plan for His people is to move forward. God's plan for His people is to live a victorious Christian life. And you must conquer what is standing in the way of your moving forward for God. The Bible tells us we are more than conquerors through Christ. We must live like it. But it's through Christ. It is through the power of God. God alone can give the victory. I believe that that's what God is telling us through the story of Ai. How the defeat, Israel went forward and was defeated. God was not with them. Israel goes forward, God is with them, they experience victory. God alone can give the victory in our lives. We, when we have the presence and power of God in our lives, when our relationship with God is where it's supposed to be, we can hear God give us directions. We can hear how we are to move. We can humbly see wonderful victories accomplished by God. When you and I keep failing and sin continually is defeating us, we need to go to God and say, what, God, what is wrong in my life? Why do I not have your power in my life that I once did? Sometimes there's some things in our lives that need to be removed. If this church is going to move forward, we have to be in a place where we are able to have the presence and power of God in this church. That is the only way we will see victory in Brooklyn, in Queens, in the Bronx, and in your and I's lives. Because God alone can give the victory. So we must be completely dependent upon God. We can't move forward without His power and His presence. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for tonight. We thank You for Your Word, Lord. We thank You for the fact that You do want us to move forward, Lord. Thank You for the fact that You do want to give us victory, Lord. I just pray that whatever is hindering our lives from seeing that, that we would seek Your face and allow You to give us the victory. In Jesus' name I pray. Just take a moment. If you need to pray there in your seats or come forward, it's up to you. We'll just take a moment.